0: The story. I went through what you call a crisis of faith, and I felt absolutely hopeless. And I remember going to a uh, church, and the pastor, it was during communion, he lifted up the bread and the wine, held it in his hands, and as if he was looking straight at me, he said these words This
1: is your only hope. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today we have the conclusion of our three-part conversation with retired missionary and pastor Fred Evans, reflecting on his eventful life journey. Last time we heard how he and his wife Betty served as missionaries in PNG for several years, and about the time they received some heartbreaking news after going through a series of troubling events on the mission field. Today, we'll hear about their return to Australia and how Fred goes on to serve as a pastor at a number of churches. We'll also hear how he was surprised to find himself one day suffering from depression. Once again, he's chatting with Shelley Scowan.
0: You start to wonder where God is in it all. Absolutely. But you know, God is in it. In a strange sort of way that we humans don't understand. His sovereign grace is still there with us. And he uses it for good.
2: Mm. It's very hard to see that good though When you're carrying the body of your seven day old child on your lap in a yes,
0: oh, yes, oh yes and uh, you know, So we had all these dramas so, happening at the same time That would have been
2: <laughs> awful for you then I mean, with a, a baby who had died A wife who was uh, in a very bad way And I assume you still had to look after the two older children yourself as well
0: Well fortunately when you're with a mission society you've got the missionaries all come together and support you so we had Mm -hmm. missionaries who did care for the children.
2: Now a few decades on I'm sure you still think about John Paul quite often.
0: Strangely it took me years to be able to do a baby dedication without breaking down in tears. Yes. Uh, That was one thing I noticed as a result of it Uh, and today even today when I hear of Parents that have lost a little child, I I empathize and I understand exactly how they feel. Mm. Uh, for John Paul, when he died, I could no make no sense out of it. I just could not make sense out of it. About three months later, one of our congregation had, uh, one of the uh, national ladies in our congregation, lost a child through SIDS, through sudden infant death, death, death syndrome. Yeah. And she was distraught. She had no faith in God. She does if there's a God of love, why? You know, the same old question and stories that people put up about the caring and grace of God. But she uh, was at, without faith. And anyhow, I had to do the funeral. This was about three months after John Paul was, had died. So unbeknownst to me, they had dug the grave right next to John Paul's grave. Really? Yes. And so when I went there to conduct the funeral service, there I was standing at the gravesite with this distraught dear mother and her Christian husband. She was not a Christian. Her husband was. And uh, she was just so distraught. And I was trying to comfort her. And I said to her, I said, you know, you and I share something very special and common. She looked at me and... Her eyes lit up. I said, you know, my little boy is buried right there next to yours. Mm-hmm. Her eyes looked at me and she stared as if to say, you, a man of God, and God took your boy? And in a st- amazing sort of way, it helped her to accept the sovereignty of God in her situation where we can't explain things. But we have to allow God, who is sovereign, to make sense of some of these things. And as a result of her child being buried next to mine, faith came back into her. And she was restored in faith. And I often reflect on that. And I wonder, I think, Lord, are you so big that you are more interested in one soul? And you took mine to save one. It's almost like that. Mm. I I don't know, but that's how you know. Talk about leaving
2: the ninety-nine to find the one. Yes,
0: yes, and how good can come out of bad.
2: Yeah, it's such a huge thing, and I know many of our listeners listening now will be able to identify as well. Um, the death of a child would just be such a weight, uh, but I think it's wonderful that you do have that perspective, and it's wonderful that you even know this story. I think a lot of people, um, even if great things happen out of it, they might not even be aware of it. So I That's think it's right. great that you have that hope that you can cling on to.
0: That's right. That's yeah. so true. Yeah. It's not an experience that I... Uh, would like to experience again, but uh, mm. God takes every experience. If you keep a right attitude and a heart towards him, yeah. he will make sense of it all ultimately.
2: Yes, and he is sovereign. He's God. He's yes. in control. Yes. That's the That's way right. he is. Yeah. We're talking with Fred Evans. He's a retired missionary and pastor. You then return to Australia to a church in Adelaide. What's it called now?
0: It's called Influencers. Right. Church, yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's a massive church in Adelaide. So you were one of the pastors there when you returned to Australia back in the 70s.
0: That's correct. I came home from Papua New Guinea and uh, went to work with my brother in the church there. There was a good team of us and uh, it was quite a challenge for me. I had to learn to preach in English all over again and (laughs) improve my vernacular and, (laughs) and learn the Australian way of life again which was quite a shock in a lot of ways because I'd gone straight from Bible school to the mission field as a missionary and I'd been a missionary if you like, to become a real uh, person of another culture. Yeah. So when I came back to Australia, it was a learning, big, steep learning curve for me.
2: So you'd probably never worked really a proper full-time job either then?
0: Oh, yes. Before I went to Bible school, I worked in the banking industry for two, two years and was destined for positions there, but I chose to leave all that behind and go to Bible school, Yeah. much to my manager's disgust. <laughs> well, when the will of God
2: calls you, then uh, you kind of got to follow, hey? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they were wonderful years for you there in Adelaide?
0: They were. They were. It was at a time when the Holy Spirit was sovereignly moving across Australia, and many, many churches... Uh, embraced the charismatic renewal including the Catholics and uh, we used to have quite large meetings the meetings grew in number in fact the Sunday night services were so powerful that, with the presence of God that people used to line up at the doors to open at 6 o'clock just almost like a Boxing Day sale Wow! <laughs> they'd rush in to get the best seats near the front of the church if only old churches were like that yes and so, you know, I saw that happen, and I thought, "Wow, this is amazing!" And the presence of God was so tangible in those meetings; you would, it would, you could carry it, as like carrying it till about Wednesday the next week. <laughs> that just stayed with you, and you just wanted to get back into church, just wanted to get back to the next next service. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> people people got saved and born again; uh, just amazing. A lot of baptisms, of course. And the amazing thing to me was during the worship times when we were singing and worshipping God and, and music and praise, people would get healed, physically healed, emotionally healed as they were sitting in their seats and they'd come and testify of it. It was just amazing.
2: That must have been incredible to be such a big part of that renewal in people's lives and then in the community as well. But as often happens with great pastors, you, you're there and you build up the church and then God calls you on to another area.
0: Yes, that's true. It, uh, I was fortunate. I, my portfolio was pastor to the new Christians. So I had the privilege of visiting many of the new Christians and making sure they got uh, locked in to the church as an activity. But after 10 years, we worked together as a team for 10 years. And I think that's the secret of church growth, uh, working as a team.
2: Yeah. Yep. And working under God as that team. Yeah. So where did he call you on to next?
0: From there, I I started to feel a bit unsettled, which was unusual because I was comfortable. I had a home and my family were all there and uh, the Lord had blessed us, etc. But after 10 years, I started to get this restless feeling as if the Lord was stirring my nest. And uh, uh, a little church up here in Brisbane opened up. I got an invitation out of the blue. (laughs) They just sent me a letter saying, would you like to come up and we would like to talk to you? So I came up and talked with the pastor. And and, to cut a long story short, they invited me to be their pastor. That was the Tigem Assembly of God, which was originally the Zilmia Assembly of God.
2: Right, okay. Um, so, yeah, you actually ended up ministering in quite a few churches too. So you moved on from Zilmere?
0: From Zilmere we had good growth. The church grew to about 400 and we, uh, I wanted to build a larger church there but the board didn't, wouldn't let me so that was <laughs> a bit of a disappointment but huh. I understood. And uh, instead we bought the land next door to the church which is two and a half acres. Over two hundred eighty thousand dollars, which is now worth probably a couple of million. Huh. <laughs> Anyhow, Should have kept
2: it. Should have kept it.
0: <laughs> well, we we bought that land, and uh, and uh, now they're going to build a large auditorium, which was my. I had a vision to build a large auditorium of of a thousand there, but at the time we just couldn't get the. I couldn't persuade the board. Anyhow, that wasn't the reason. I got another invitation then to go to Toowoomba, so I went to. Toowoomba Assembly of God Church, and uh, which was a large, probably one of our largest country churches in, in Queensland. And we stayed there for 10, 12 years, I think it was, something like that.
2: Beautiful part of the world there in Toowoomba, and it's where you chose to live for quite a while?
0: Yes, yes. It was, uh, it was a solid church. It, was, it had a long history. It was founded in 19... 19- 27, one of the earliest uh, churches in in, the, in our denomination. So I had a responsibility to build on that, which we did, and and by God's grace, we built it up to over a thousand people on our database. And uh, eventually, I came to my retirement years, and I decided I needed to hand it over. So I handed it over to with the blessing of the board and the church with their concurrence to my eldest son who was a pastor for two years.
1: You're listening to The Story. Today, retired missionary and pastor Fred Evans is once again reflecting on his life journey and on his life as a pastor. Next, we'll hear about a crisis of faith he experienced and how he was surprised to find himself suffering from depression. That and more when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're back with the conclusion of retired missionary and pastor Fred Evans, sharing about his adventurous and eventful life journey. We've heard about his long career in ministry, serving as a missionary in PNG, and later as a pastor in several churches in Australia. Now we'll hear about the time when he was nearing retirement, that he found himself suffering from depression.
2: I do admire the way that you made this decision of just wanting to retire when you were, I guess, for lack of a better term, at your peak rather than, um, you know, the the powers that be coming and giving you a polite tap on the shoulder and saying, mate, you're getting too old, you need to step aside. I think it's lovely that you were very much aware of the fact that you were getting older and that you were consciously training up the next generation.
0: Yes, I guess that was always in my mind to prepare people for the next. Segment of the church's growth. Yeah. Uh, for me it was. In some ways, it was a blessing in disguise because right at the end of my tenure as senior pastor, I burnt out, and I suffered depression, which was quite a shock to me. I went through the darkest period of my, as they call it, the dark night of the soul, in my last years of ministry. Uh, and uh, it probably not sound like a good testimony, but through it all, God did some wonderful things, even in that dark period. Can I share with you one little story? Please do. I uh, I was the board gave me opportunity to rehabilitate myself, so I went down to South Australia to take and took three months' leave of absence from my, the pastorate. And while I was down there, the, the darkness that I felt and the the gloom and the terror that uh, depression can bring on a mind is just astounding particularly when you think of my background when i've known god all these years and now i'm starting to question god starting to question my faith and i went through what you call a crisis of faith and i felt absolutely hopeless and i remember going to a uh, going to a methodist uniting church in Victor Harbour in South Australia. And I sat up the back with my wife and I felt totally hopeless. Without and suicide, can you believe this, a pastor thinking this way, but suicidal thoughts went through my mind because I was such a burden to my family. I'd have better off leaving them. That's how a negative your mind wow. can get when you're in depression. Yeah. Anyhow, I was sitting at the back of this church and the pastor Dear pastor, he wasn't a very charismatic figure, but he was doing the job that God, God called him to. And he, he, It was during communion. He lifted up the bread and the wine, held it in his hands, and as if he was looking straight at me, he said these words, This is your only hope. And the Spirit of God took those words, and the communion became a living Reality to me. Yeah. The bread and the wine. And I held, I took that bread in my hand and I held it and you know how it says in the Bible, this is my body which is broken for you. And I thought, Jesus, I'm taking you into my, even as I tell you now, the emotion of that moment grabbed me. And I realized that the significance of the value of Holy Communion. Mm. And that transformed me (laughs) from that day to this. And uh, I was (laughs) walking through a supermarket. This is a funny story about all that. Because during this time of despair and hopelessness, God can speak to you through all sorts of ways. As in the Old Testament, it talks talk through the donkey at one stage. Yes, you uh, use donkey, anything. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. Well, I was walking through the supermarket, feeling that, that I would not survive. I won't survive this. I can't survive. And would you believe? Out of the ceiling came this song from Gloria Gaynor: "I Will, <laughs> I will Survive." survive. <laughs> <laughs> remember that? Yes, yeah. I, I. I turn my head upwards to hear a bit clearer, and I will survive. And God used that to <laughs> encourage me. And I felt like doing a bit of a jig there right in the aisle.
2: <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, I hope you danced down the aisle of that supermarket that
0: day. <laughs> I certainly felt like it, I tell you. But that's how God, you know, God speaks to you when you're in your darkest hour. Yeah. Through all sorts of sources, not just from the word of God, but through people and circumstances.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's wonderful, and and so you got back on your feet after all of that, and yes. continued your ministry.
0: And when I got when I eventually we retired, of course, and we bought our home in Albany Creek, and uh, and I decided, well, I'm going to engage in my lifetime hobbies, which is photography, recording, and and uh, and I thought I would stimulate my brain by exercising my thought patterns on mastering the internet and so i've gone into that and started another ministry now which is bigger than i've ever had <laughs> yeah tell us about it well i went on facebook and i slowly built up relationships on the fa- on facebook and now i have over 200 2, or something followers uh friends rather and of those i can there's 380 are followers <laughs> who turn on to my Facebook channel all the time or my Facebook page and I'm just, I use it to minister to them I use it to uh, show them how the church was years ago and how my experience and I put up stuff on the, from the internet from YouTube and things that I've recorded from years gone by from the Klemzig days from the Paradise days from the Papua New Guinea days I've got videos of all that stuff that I've, I've digitalized and put on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, which has over 300 uh, wow. videos now.
2: You have really embraced the 21st century, haven't you? That's wonderful.
0: I've tried. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and just quickly,
0: tell us about your old codgers group that you get together. Oh, quickly? Well, that's a that's another little thing. I just I, A friend of mine uh, is, was a pastor, and he, we used to meet for coffee, and I said, why don't we extend this to other pastors who are retired or finish their terms. So we did, and it's just grown. We just have coffee together at Northlake Shopping Centre on a Monday, and we just chat about all sorts of things. We we uh, sort out the world affairs, of course, <laughs> and the politics and church life, but it's all done without a critical spirit. Yeah. We, we make sure, because some of the guys that come in are hurt, some of them are disillusioned, some of them have lost their way because of, you know, a lot of older men just don't know what to do they you know when they've come to the end of their working life mm. and they're they're a bit confused so we've got some businessmen there most of them are pastors the retired pastors and we have great times of chatting of old times and good times and, and the future and as i said we sort out lots of things <laughs> <laughs> with a laugh on our face and a smile in our our hearts. you are getting quite well known now at the coffee club up there. (laughs) I'm sure, yes. And you can
2: tell that you don't take yourselves too seriously when you call yourselves the old codgers. Yes,
0: yes. Well, I purposely did that, Uh, although a lot of, some people, not a lot, some people don't like it. And I say to them, look, old codgers is an endearing term for old men. And uh, I, also I want it because I think uh, we older men need to accept the fact that we are older because yeah. I, I often hear guys say i'm not old i'm not old i said well <laughs> you are just accept it and enjoy it which I, which we all do now <laughs> and
2: embrace it yes yes <laughs> I, I was in mcdonald's the other day and saw some seniors there embracing the fact that they could get free coffees and they were teasing us for the fact that we couldn't because yes. <laughs> they're seniors
0: <laughs> well and it we, was great we get free coffees from the coffee club. We've, two of us have got two or three of us have got VIP cards and <laughs> so we get one free so we <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> it's, it's all uh, fun. All you're fun. all part of it yeah I love it. I love and it. occasionally we pray together yeah. when where the need arises.
2: Yeah for sure. What a great way to encourage each other. And as you say, find uh, some good meaning and relevance even later in life. You are old, but that isn't the end of the world. You can do so much with your retirement and encourage each other, encourage those around you, embrace it rather than deny it.
0: Yes, that's so true. That's so true. And it's a good example to your children and your grandchildren of how to grow old gracefully.
2: Yes, Instead of
0: becoming grumpy old men. That's my... (laughs) What I'm addressing most of the time with guys that come in with us, and, yeah. and they they cheer up. I mean, some guys are so lonely, eh? They're just so lonely, yeah. and they join us and they see there's life after work.
2: Yes, I think it's something to keep in mind for guys that are still in work too, to be setting themselves up with hobbies or people or yes. a bit of everything uh, for when that time comes.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I say that to I say that to pastors now. I said, look. While you're pastoring a startup hobby of something that you love doing and uh, because you'll need to do that when you finish your time as a pastor yeah. you occupy yourself otherwise you'll be just moping around the house under your wife's feet and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know you won't know what to do with yourself and it's not very inspiring so get a hobby yeah before you retire.
2: Yeah, definitely. Well Fred time has got the better of us again. You can tell you're a pastor because you're good at talking.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know. Well, got, you?
2: It's all good, it's all good, but you've got such a wonderful story to tell and it's hard to condense um, so many decades of just God's faithfulness to you over the years, over the good times and the bad times. Yes. Um, God has been with you every step of the way.
0: Yes, that's so true and I thank you for the opportunity of just sharing part of the journey because you never know, somebody's listening out there who needs to hear this as God's saying to them, I love you and you are of interest to me and you're what you've done is I care about and I Mm. love you. That's what they need to hear.
2: Yeah, it's been an encouraging conversation. Thanks so much, Fred.
0: God bless you, Shelley, and thank you for the opportunity.
1: That was the conclusion of Shelley Scohan's three-part conversation with retired missionary and pastor Fred Evans. And it was wonderful how open he was sharing all the aspects of his life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, even about the crisis of faith he experienced. But through it all, the Lord was with him. And as we heard, he is still serving the Lord today. And if you want to learn more about what he's up to these days, you can check out his Facebook page that he mentioned earlier. Just type in PS Fred, that's short for Pastor Fred, so PS Fred, And then you can look him up on Facebook. Also, he and his wife have their own website, fredandbettyevans.com. That's fredandbettyevans.com. Well, thanks for joining us for the conclusion of our three-part conversation with Fred Evans. It was great to hear his reflections on his life in ministry. So until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I had the teenage years, early teenage years, and I was just really insecure. I had a low, really low self image um, wasn't very confident, but I knew
0: I had the potential to be more. But I had a quite sheltered, protected upbringing. I look back and it's interesting to me that I, as soon as I got the chance, actually got out and, and became unsheltered and worked with kids in the street and got my hands dirty. So it's an interesting change.
1: Russ Wright's job sees him changing the lives of young people around the world. He's the founder of an organisation called Vital Projects, which seeks to draw out the leadership potential of disadvantaged young people. We'll hear his story and the stories of the kids whose lives he's impacted next time. The The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.